a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in theory. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. This week on The Million Dollar Plan, we talked to a young woman who is doing well financially, but wants to uh, take advantage of that to either have her husband retire when he's 50 or possibly get into <laughs> passive income and all sorts of other things. Let's dive right in. Her name is Stella, and she joins us now. Hello, Stella. Hello. What a sassy name you've, you've selected. Why, thank you very much. I would have made a great Stella. I think, you ever want, like, I always wondered, like, what would my name be if it wasn't Peter? Which, by the way, a weird name. But, like, what's if my, like, Scott? Like, I don't know what my name would be. You, you would go with Stella for Claude. you? Claude. Claude? I could go with <laughs> yeah. Claude. I, I think I could go by, like, Timmy. I don't know. I feel like, no. I don't know. I don't like any of those names. Anyway, uh, so you're doing well. You're, 30, you're 36 years old. How old's your uh, husband? 38. 38, old man. And um, your household income is $241,000. How does that break down? Who makes what? What, what do we got going here? My base is 110, okay. and bonuses are usually 15 to 20. Okay. Uh, his base is about 85, bonus of about 7, and he gets about 25,000 in stock options, after-tax vested stuff. Okay, so how, how long have you been in these sorts of positions that pay the way they pay? <laughs> Two years. Okay. Uh, in 2015, I was making $45,000 a year. So what happened? What, what, what would you do, like take an online course? Like what happened here? Oh, I took all the courses. I got a PhD. Oh. So after I finished that and the postdocs and started working in industry, my income tripled. I should call you Dr. Stella. You know, I, I should say this, Dr. Stella, that oftentimes people go back and get a PhD or an advanced degree and their income does not triple. So wh how, why did yours triple? Um, it's an engineering. Oh, you're a doctor of engineering? Yeah, it's a little non-traditional, but I love the research stuff, so I stuck with it. But you seem so pleasant to talk to, you know? <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, I make these jokes about engineers and accountants all the time, not because I'm hurtful, because I speak the truth. Um, so, um, what do you got going family-wise? You, you got any of these kids going on? One little boy, he's two and a half, okay. and hopefully another will happen soon, but, you know, that's up to nature. Uh, well, look, I don't actually, I'm going to have to Google how that all works. How, tell me this <laughs> prior to making a boatload of money, uh, with your PhD, how were your finance, what was your financial life like? Was it good? Was it bad? What was it? I grew up really poor. Okay. Um, like I lived on the living room couch for a few years cause we rented out the bedrooms to pay the mortgage oh kind of level of, yeah, low, low income. Um, I got food stamps kind of poor. Okay. And I had a lot of housing insecurity and money insecurity from that. I couldn't make sure we were careful and safe, and it wasn't in my control, and it made me really anxious. So as soon as I was making my own money at, you know, 18, 22-ish, I always lived below my means. So I've never felt deprived. I just didn't buy stuff. So, Commute by bus, yeah. shop at the thrift store, and it feels awesome because I was always financially safe. So while I didn't make any money, I didn't worry about it because I just lived really lean. Did you put yourself through uh, undergrad then? I had loans and okay. paid those off as soon as I could. 
It's amazing. And, and, and now, I mean, I'm looking at your, your numbers here. You, you have a more $574,000 mortgage. What's that make the home value? What's your home value? Oh, Zillow says eight twenty. I don't think that's accurate. Maybe seven fifty. You're in the West um, Coast here. I'm just it, spitballing here. Yeah, okay. it's one of those cities you think people shouldn't live in. Oh, really? Vegas? Live in Vegas? Oh, well, no, no, no. Oh. That's a different kind of shouldn't. Like financially, oh. Uh, oh. the New York, Los Angeles, oh, San yes. Francisco, Seattle. I don't feel like they, they shouldn't live there. I just <laughs> think that they have to uh, adjust their expectations of what their lifestyle is going to be like. Um, I'm going to be in Laguna Niguel later this week or early next week. Now, that's a place you want to go, right? I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know how to spell it, but apparently it's nice. Anyway, um, so here's what you got going. You got 200,000 already in long-term savings. You've got roughly $3,000 a month going towards retirement. Uh, you've got a a nice savings account balance. Your million dollar day we've calculated for you is October 11th. 2027 october 11th 2027 you and uh mr stella i assume he is not a doctor no he's a college dropout yeah well look at that shows what education does you are dr stella he is not (laughs) and uh you will you will be millionaires then and then at age 67 if you kept going at your current pace which you know we're going to talk about this idea that he said he wants to retire at 50 you would have $7.2 million at your current pace at age 67. Your age 67. He'd be 69. Uh, you would have $16,821 a month of take-home income. Uh, but after inflation, that would feel like $7,800 a month in today's after-tax dollars. How does that hit you? $7,800 a month. Your current net monthly income is $9,000 a month. And we haven't even talked about Social oh, Security. All that. Yeah. Yeah, we we spend about seventy five hundred to eight thousand a month, so that's perfect. So, Done. Check. Right, right, right. I mean, but this is part of the conversation. It's like, okay, I I can tell you have confidence around some of these long term goals. It's just saying, like, at what point do we look at funding other goals? Right. Exactly. Well, that's a good question. I mean, so what are some of these other goals? I mean, do you always see you being a double income household? So. My husband does want to retire. If, if I could make enough money, he would retire now. Like okay. that would that would be his dream. But that's not practical, and it wouldn't make me feel financially safe. So that's off the table for now. But if we can find ways to build more passive income and maybe even rely less on his income, then I think that would make him really happy. There's just hobby stuff he'd like to do and be more involved in activities with our son and just things that it's hard to do when you have a full time job. But. Go ahead. That it doesn't have to happen. It's just a wish to happen. I think what we try to do in these situations is to say, how can we systematically subtract his income over time away from your situation? Mm-hmm. And, and there was, there's different ways you can do that. Obviously, you can continue to get pay increases. Is there is there a ceiling on what you're going to earn as a, 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 an engineering doctor? I don't know what the hell that is. You know what I mean? Like, is there a ceiling or no? Probably a ceiling, but I don't know what it is yet. This is, I mean, I'm a year and a half into industry, so this is all very new. I haven't gotten a different job at a different company and seen what the raise is going to be like from that. I haven't moved into management officially and seen what that's going to change. So, yeah, it's going to keep going. You mentioned having, uh, growing your family even more, but I can assume from talking to you and kind of looking at the stuff you sent, you don't see taking an extended period of time off, just sort of a, I don't know, normal is not really the words I'm going for, but I I don't see you staying home for any bit of time. Is that accurate? 
That is accurate. I'll get paid leave in, for a few months, and then I'll go back. Yeah. What do you do for daycare right now? He's in full-time daycare because we both work full-time. So that costs, oh, goodness, 1500 a month usually, but that's, I was able to prepay it this year and get a 10% discount. That's so not bad that at all. cut a little bit. No, it's awesome. 1500 a month. Are you in, you're in one of the big cities, right? Yeah. The big expensive cities. Do they just put them in a drawer? Like, are they ta- like that's that's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, it's less than when he was younger. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's great. They have it's a Montessori school, and he has lots of wow. friends, and they have a special music teacher and a Spanish teacher, and it's the way daycare is out here. You yeah. can't just start and stop. There was a yearly year long waiting list to get in. It's it's just how it is. Oh, I know, I know. So, all right. So, if you have a second child, that will increase. Will that double uh, daycare costs then? Um, he will be close to getting in kindergarten by okay. the time that happens because of timing. So, I was aiming for about a four-year spa- space so that there wouldn't be two kids in high cost. I think three thousand a month is the most I expect to pay, regardless of when I get pregnant. You've got thirty-four hundred, or pardon me. Oh, pardon me. $34,000 in savings. Did that just build up in t- uh, over time with surplus income, or how did it get to be 34000 bucks? Yeah, it's been the priority since we bought the house to build our emergency fund back up. But You said you're living on like 7500 bucks. What's that other 1500 a month doing right now? Savings. Okay. The house. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether we need to keep building that emergency fund in cash or if it's time to move toward paying off the house early or maybe move to investing so that we can do more things in the future with that money. Yeah, that's where the what is enough and when can I yeah, move on? Let's, let's talk about that. In. All right. So let's start with the long term because it's the easiest. If, if you're able to contribute $3,000 a month, whether it's you and your husband or just you or just your whatever, uh, at, at retirement age, the mid to late 60s, you're good to go. Like I have no concerns. The challenge becomes when daycare costs go up, if your husband's income then drops, you know, 12 years from now, I mean, if that's a real thing, uh, and then how does that affect that long-term number, right? And by the way, uh, in, in the calculation we gave you, we're also assuming that you never get a raise, which I'd rather do that than just assume you're getting all sorts of crazy raises. You're going to get raises because you're Dr. Stella, and that's what we know. Um, so and by then the house will be paid off, so that also changes the equation. Right? Did you get a? Th- you got a thirty-year, I assume, five seven, uh, a five hundred seventy-four thousand dollars mortgage. Your, your mortgage payment, <laughs> I, and I say only, it's only thirty-five hundred dollars a month. That's actually not that terrible. Yeah, we put ten percent down, and there's a little bit of PMI in there that'll go away next year. And yeah. yeah, it's not that bad. Okay, so long term, I'm feeling very confident. Where's your confidence level for the long term? Good? Is it good? It is. All right. Yeah. Let, let's jump to the short term. <laughs> let's skip the midterm. Short term. Uh, your household income is nine thousand bucks a month. You only spend seventy five hundred bucks a month. I mean, you've got basically four and a half to five months of emergency funds set aside right now, which is pretty darn good. Like I, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, how do you feel about that? It feels like it's getting to be too much cash, and that's why it's time to move on. But the rules of thumb I've heard are always like three to six months or six to eight months or six to 12 months, and we're just starting to cusp on that six-month space. So that's, okay, let's figure out how, because everyone's different there. That's why those rules of thumb are nice sometimes, or rules of thumbs. I don't know how many thumbs are involved, or rules for that matter, 
but for, for <laughs> some people it matters some people it doesn't so that seventy five hundred dollars in expenses if it hit the fan and by it i mean if it hit the fan what would your actual expenses be in a month could you cut that seventy five hundred down to something Oh, that is the kind of pared down. So maybe 8000 is typical, and we could cut out some entertainment and some clothing. And part of it is also planning ahead. Like, I use YNAB, and I put money in the transportation bucket. So when the car tabs are due, the money's just sitting there. Okay. So the, the slush fund could move around more if we were in an emergency time period. You know, there's a couple of things that are going to make this interesting. Number one, I, I, do, uh, I do agree with your feeling that you should stop saving money for the short term. I think there's a better way to leverage your, your surplus. Number two, you're at an interesting stage where the next time you or your husband or you and your husband get a pay increase, it needs to go directly to what we are soon to choose to be your number one financial priority, right? Um, mm -hmm. You have made retirement a priority. Check, it's done. I wouldn't even consider it your number one priority anymore because it's taken care of. You, you've you've grown to ignore that money, right? Yeah. Do you feel? Do you ever? By the way, I didn't like that. Yeah, you sounded a little unsure. Do you feel like you're not <laughs> committed to that? Um, I I have a complicated uh, matching program through my company. Okay. So they match six off the top, and then another four that vests over four years. Whoa. So that amount includes assuming it'll all vest and if i left the company it wouldn't so there would be a little bit of a gap there but i think we have enough surplus per month that i could just replace that and not worry about it i like that and you know and i will i had this conversation with somebody yesterday about a pension right and it's just this idea of like sometimes they're called golden handcuffs like these benefits the reason why they have mm -hmm. such a nice matching schedule is they want you to stay there and, and i think sometimes as we try to grow our careers and, and and you know grow our lives we try to ignore these golden handcuffs when we really shouldn't because that's a pretty darn good deal right mm -hmm. we want to try to stay there as long as you can all right so um here's what i think i, I think we need to either choose what we call non-qualified investing or um, some sort of investing that would create some passive income for you if that really is a priority. And when your husband says things like, I'd like to be done at 50, does he say it with a smile or is he kidding? Or do you think it's serious? What's going on? We've had a few um, very open conversations about it because he says it in a fanciful, wow, wouldn't it be great way? But what I hear is, I want to do this, make it work financially. And that is when I start to freak out a little. So we've we've tabled the reality of that for at least the near future. But I I know that it would make him really happy. He could be doing, you know, uh, maintenance on a rental property that we had or yard work and other hobby stuff. And it would make him really happy. You know, but, there's a couple things. If, if that's a reality that you're going to try to uh, entertain, the worst thing you can do is to waste time around it, right? Um it's not even about money at that point. It's about wasting time trying to get your money now working to a point where you could potentially have a rental property. But I'll say this, mm -hmm. at uh, trying to live the lifestyle you're living at $8,000 a month with $1,000 a month of surplus, I mean, how can you get in the rental game comfortably with $1,000 a month of surplus and potentially growing your family? That's where this gets a little sticky, right? It's like... Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't take into account the bonuses, which are not part of the 8000 a month, and the stock 
so that's another you know forty five fifty ish thousand a year that isn't accounted for in our monthly spending. When it shows up, I just put it to whatever savings goal we're working on. And so let's say the next 12 months, and when, when do, those, do those checks arrive in two big chunks or several big chunks? How do they arrive? Um, the stock is every three months, and the bonuses are once a year for each of us. So, so that's six chunks. The next 12 months, or is this the reason for this call? The question is, what, what's the priority in the next 12 months, or is that why we're chatting? Yeah. Well, so I know what it is, and I can keep focusing on it for the future years also. All right. Well, to me... I think it would be non-qualified investing slash uh, real estate, right? Because if you can assign that money for at least the next two to five years towards something like that, you can build an asset which can create that passive income. Um, the, The challenge, of course, becomes to try to have it really be good positive cash flow within 12 years, you're gonna have to pay off the rental property. Otherwise, it's passive income, but it's offset by an expense that you have to cover, which is the mm-hmm. mortgage, you know? Certainly. What would you buy? I mean, would you buy a home? Well, this is a dumb question. You would buy a home near where you live. That's the whole point of your husband being able to work on that property, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and it's a pretty expensive area, obviously, but maybe something in the 400,000 space isn't impossible or even lower if we are farther out of the city. Would you ever do like multi-unit stuff or is that a little beyond your grasp? I'm open to that. We're both really handy. We have a ridiculous amount of tools, um, and that's fun. We love working on our house. I think we love doing maintenance for something else and being landlords. I don't know. It's a new idea. It's a, wow, we have more money than I have run out of ideas for what to do with what's next. Yeah, and see, this is, these sometimes can get dangerous, though, too, and I think you sense that, this idea that you would commit yourself to this whimsical idea of being fixer-uppers and things. Uh, when the reality of family life and careers, you, you, you don't quite have a your finger on the pulse of what that could be five years from now, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll stop at two kids if uh, you are so blessed to have two children, or do you think it's going <laughs> to grow beyond that? I'm now turned into, like, your mother-in-law. I'm sorry about that. Um, if, if we have twins, I will be terrified, and there will be no intentional children after one more. You know, it's always remarkable when you find the, those people, they're like, we found out we're having twins and we're so excited. Like, and then they just skip past the, oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> like, those are remarkable people that don't wallow in the craziness that is twins. <sighs> yeah, a family member has twins my son's age, and I'm watching how harried they've become, and, and I'm not interested in that. No, but, um, yeah, hopefully just one more. That's fine. Um, so here, here's where I would go with your situation. I would not put any additional resources on top of what you're already doing towards retirement. I would not put any additional resources towards short-term stability. I would focus like a laser, the 1,000-ish dollars a month and the 40 to $50,000 a year of income on creating flexible wealth, which is you can touch it before you're 59 and a half, Uh, You can buy a property that would create some semblance of passive income. And and I think that needs to become the focus. Now, here's the reality, though. I don't know how much of that money you're going to have to save up and squirrel away until you're able to make that purchase. I I think that becomes the challenge of, all right, when we have $40,000, do we then put 10% down and here we go? I mean, does that feel like that's the operative move? 
can you even do that? I thought rental properties had higher down payment requirements. I know virtually nothing about this. I just bought my first house last year, so yeah. it's all new. Well, no, there there are definitely different there di- different requirements. Um, I, but I, I think reasonably within two years, um, l- again, let's put a freeze on the thirty four thousand, and let's say the next ninety thousand dollars is going towards uh, a rental property fund. I think within two years you could get uh, in, into that game. But I would, uh, another note here, um, who knows what in the world the real estate market is doing two years from now? Who knows what interest rates are doing two years from now? Who knows what the economy is doing two years from now? So the good news is if at least if you squirrel that money away, it's going to give you options and flexibility. And I think with people like you that have so much income and things are going so well, all you can ever ask for is flexibility given to you by your discipline. And, and so I, I would say set up a, a side fund and just hammer away at it until you get 90 to 100,000 bucks in there. Should that be invested in index funds or should that be sitting in my, you know, CDs at 1.5%? Yeah, you're going to hate this answer. It's going to have to be in your CDs at 1.5% because uh, I know, I know. And I, look, it's the truth. Like if I, here's the deal, if I look in the mirror and I tilt my chin downward about 20 degrees, the truth is male pattern baldness is a big part of my life. That's why I don't do that. Also reality is it's true. It's awful. It's awful. I wish you could engineer uh, with your doctorate, a solution to that, but you cannot (laughs) Dr. Sella. Uh, but the reality is the market is sky high right now, sky high. It's going to get crushed in the next two or three years. It has to. And so if, if, if you're investment plan of you needing the money in two or three years involves you getting crushed. I don't like that. So if it were me, I'd be in CDs. God sucks. Doesn't it? I mean, it sucks. It's the worst. What's true. If we're on the two to three year horizon, yes. But if we're on the, you know, five to 10 year horizon and we want to put, you know, most of the price down on a house buy it cash, if possible, get like a foreclosure or something. Sure then maybe the stock market would be the more appropriate place. I'd be okay with that. Here's a, here's a tool I like to use for five-year goals. I like to use Betterment. This is not an official endorsement of Betterment, by the way, anyone <laughs> listening. Um, but I like to use Betterment.com because you can use, you can set a goal, you can set the risk, you can set the time frame, and then it manages the money around that time frame. That way you're not just going, I'm in an S&P 500 fund, and, and then you can't react to what's happening in the market. So check out, if you're going to do that, check out something like betterment.com and then just do like a five-year goal to it. What else? I I assume you have loads of life insurance, right? I do not. Um, I have been denied twice for life insurance and that's another big source of stress because it's something that I can't fix and control. I have some chronic medical conditions. I have terrible family history Mm. and yeah, they just said, you're not even worth it. That's Um, always a nice feeling. I get, yeah, uh, I get three times my salary from work. So that's something, but that wouldn't pay off the house. And I, I don't, know how to deal with that gap well the, the way you deal with that gap is to get super aggressive with this middle bucket uh whether it goes towards purchasing a house or if something unfortunately happened to you in the next five years there would be a few hundred thousand dollars that go to assisting your husband if he was forced to survive without you um so you can self-insure right if you've got chronic medical have conditions <laughs> you you have to right there's really no option but you have the income to justify that. And that's, that's why, again, with your situation, everyone's different. You need 
flexibility. And that middle bucket will provide both a self-insurance component and the ability, if you live, <laughs> when you live, uh, to buy a rental property. So I think you have to get super serious about getting aggressive with that middle bucket. Like almost obsessive, okay, frankly. Do you get obsessive about uh, financial goals? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, yes. Financial planning has become a hobby. I, I love it. I love the security. I love feeling like I'm in control. Well, your story is so remarkable. I mean, from, from, from growing up and putting yourself through school and then getting your PhD and tripling your income. I mean, um, it would be a damn shame if you didn't find joy in the stability you've created. I mean, that would be very sad. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you love it. What else? Good way of thinking about it. Okay. Uh, 529s, my kid in college, we have one of those so far. Only family have been putting money in it because we wanted to focus on our retirement goals and emergency fund goals. But should I be putting something in there? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, are you in California, I assume? Okay, sure. Okay. I'll assume California. No. No. That's fine. Well, it matters for the state. Are you in Oregon? Uh, uh, we have no state income tax. Okay. Well, it has to do with the 529 itself. So the so just look up Google 529 tax benefits and then put your state's name. Okay? Yeah. We don't get any from our state. I picked the one in Utah because I liked how it was invested in the investment firm so i then if that's the case if you're not getting state tax benefits then um i mean a nominal amount a couple hundred bucks a month if you can uh just to sort of build that up the the reality is based on the financial situation you're in they're not going to get need-based financial aid because you're doing fine um See, I mean, it wouldn't kill you. Put a couple hundred bucks a month uh, towards a 529. I wouldn't go any more aggressive than that at this point in time because I really do think uh, college planning is not our priority. Flexibility 10 years from now is. Uh, so I would I would still err on the side of that middle bucket. On a related note, I've heard about um, people paying their children and then filing taxes on their earned income and putting it into a Roth IRA. What do you think about that idea? I mean, not now, he's two, sure. but in, you know, five or eight years. Um, I've seen that sort of thing. Um, I don't widely recommend it because I think people would end up messing it up. Um, and I also, frankly, don't think your incomes are high enough to justify that decision. I think based on okay. your living expenses, based on your income, let's say you were making $500,000 a year in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But if you're in an expensive place to live um, and your incomes are um, solid, but in an expensive place to live, they're, they're just that. They're solid. They're not remarkable. Then I wouldn't do that. Okay. What else? What else? Um, These okay. are good. I think those were my questions, I think. All right. Um, get laser focused on that middle bucket. Like I would just complete. You've earned the right to ignore the short term. You've earned the right to ignore the long term. Focus on the middle bucket. Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Dr. Stella. Thanks for gracing us with your PhD presence today. (laughs) All right. All right. See ya. All right. That's it for this week's show. I thought about getting my PhD, but then it turns out I'm a terrible student. So that wouldn't have worked. All right. That's it. Uh, We're done. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, If you want to be on the show, be on the show. Go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. I love situations like Dr. Stella's. 
man, from sleeping on the couch in her family's house so they'd rent out the rooms to pay the mortgage to a PhD tripling her salary by educating herself. Don't get a lot of stories like that. That's why they're remarkable. That's why when you hear them, they bring emotion to you because they're remarkable. It's wonderful. So, all right, that's it. I'll see you next time. Peace. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money right, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings. It's from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol, stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. it beats I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, this I burn, I burn, I Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings, uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it?